and that's Boston, More Than a Feeling, one of the greatest albums to ever be published. And uh, I got the chance to see Boston in 1979 with the Red Rockers, Sammy Hagar, opening up in front of them. Uh, I was a senior in high school, and I'll definitely, I think I was the only one that actually survived that show as everybody was passed out. I was the only one to actually watch the show of my group. Memories. Um, like a cornerstone in my mind. Anyway, um, what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about was track condition and track, and not track bias, but how we look at tracks, which instead of just throwing out the, oh, you know, that was, there was a golden rail or that's a dead rail or, and so on and so forth. So let's talk about today at Churchill on this Sunday, November 10th. One part about judging a racetrack, um, having the, the privilege of being able to be at the track in the morning, you get to see things that a regular handicapper does not. I get to see how that track is uh, throughout the morning or how it changes with the weather. And I have gotten to the point, I've gotten to the point that I could pick up a change in the track uh, probably in the first five to ten horses that I watched train over it. Um, you can tell the, their mannerism, and right away you just feel like, wait a second, this is not the same track that was yesterday. Uh, what's interesting is this morning, Sunday, November 10th, the Churchill Downs track, immediately I could tell, didn't have that much water in it. It was very dry. Um, and I had horses really staggering the last eighth of a mile. Um, you paid the price. You went too fast early. You stopped in the lane. However, it's loose. So it's really hard to grab it and kick on if you were close. It's much different. See, people get... get don't have the right con uh, concept of tracks. If somebody says to you the track is tiring, you start thinking off the pace horses. If somebody tells you the track is loose and slow, you start saying, well, off the pace horses. Instead, it's the opposite is true. If you've got a loose track, speed does well because everybody just staggers to the wire. The other horses can't grab a hold of it and finish. A great example was a Keeneland turf course. When it was wet, it was heavy. Being heavy, nobody could grab a hold of it and accelerate. So everybody went in one pace and nobody could make up any ground. The speed was winning. And when it dried out, it was sperm. All the horses were able to grab a hold of it. And they kicked on and finished tremendously down the lane and, and bested the speed who simply was overpowered late by these horses taken off down the lane. So, as same on the main. And 
Over the years, I've been exposed to such tracks. Santa Anita was like that way back in the Steve Wood era when he was a track superintendent. The main track, I remember one day he showed me, it was a 10 degree difference between the front side and the back side, meaning the back side was 10 degrees warmer than the front side was because of the overhang. So if, if there had been rain, the front side was heavier. So all of a sudden, date horses hit, they'd go fast early over the brittle dirt, uh, brittle, fast, loose dirt. They would show a lot of speed and then would hit the eighth pole and the track would become heavy and nobody could pass anybody. They would finish in, in a, uh, um, like an, an America round. So when you're looking at tracks and you're trying to understand, sometimes what opposite of what you think makes sense is the actual sensical approach. Today at Churchill Downs, I felt that the track was very, very loose. They couldn't keep enough water on it. They put water after the break, after the last break. And I had... Um, a, a Romans that went 22, 34, 46, and 2 a minute, finished in 13 and 3, which was constant with the day's workouts. It didn't matter how slow you went or how fast you went, you finished in 13 and 2, the last eighth of a mile. So what I'm looking for today at Churchill is speed. So keep that in mind. If you're trying to make a decision between two or three horses, speed is the place to be. Now, Del Mar is a little bit different. This week at Del Mar, all week long, the tide was at its lowest point during the afternoon. What that means is that track is a little bit drier than normal. It's not holding the moisture, and speed is going to do well. My favorite story was in uh, Del Mar Breeders' Cup 2017. That Wednesday and Thursday before the Breeders' Cup, speed won everything. Well, the tide was at its lowest point during that afternoon. But when I went and looked at it for the Friday and Saturday card, the Breeders' Cup cards that weekend, it, 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 it flipped on Friday morning. On Friday morning, it went to the highest tide they had seen there all month. I think it was like seven, uh, six, five or seven feet over. So that track went from being brittle and fast the day before and Wednesday and Thursday, the two days before, to a completely different track on Friday and Saturday because of the tide. And Saturday was even more pronounced. Uh, the, the winner of the Philly and Mare Sprint, it was a, Dave, it was a uh, Ralph Nix horse that I can't remember. I mean, that horse was propelled um, uh, to, uh, to victory by that outside part of the track that was much better because the high, the tide was at its highest factor. So, highest height. I tell the story all the time. When they laid the infill pavilion, they dug five, you know, three to five feet down, you know, just to be able to lay cement, and water kept coming up. And when tide came in, it filled the hole back in. So, they couldn't lay cement fast enough and get it to dry because of that tide. They had to wait for the lowest tide for that month, lay the cement, and hope and pray that it actually dried before the tide came in. Same thing for the track. Yeah, you, you, you put water in it, and all of a sudden water comes up, and you almost have a, a, a heavy, muddy surface because of it. And that plays, you know, a heavier track 
that place to the outside. So a lot of the times what you think is bias or what you hear is bias from people that are not even close to being anywhere near that track. It's almost, it's, it's not even, it, it's bullshit. Because these people don't have any idea. There is Saratoga, all you hear are dead rail, dead rail, dead rail. The, the rail wasn't three feet deep. There, there's no possible way the rail was three feet deep. Now, was the track heavier? Possibly. But it was heavier all the way across. But if it's heavy, speed tends to gravitate inside and gets and and as they're finishing down the lane, they gravitate toward the rail, and 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 the rail isn't dead, but it's a heavy track. They're tiring because it took its toll all the way around. A lot of people, it's funny, you know, you talk about a dead rail, and then you go show them the back, the head on down the backside, and horses are four off the inside. Oh, they must be not liking the inside. They're way off. No, that's the way they always ride. They always ride off the inside. It's, you, it's like you riding a bicycle or a motorcycle. But those of you who are, are motorcyclists or bicyclists, you know, you, you 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 don't go into a turn on, on on the inside. You go into a turn and dive down into it from the outside. Same thing with horses. Uh, so a lot of the times people speak like they know and they absolutely know nothing. And 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 all these people that cry the rail is dead, the rail is dead. Those horses are not even on the rail until the last 50 yards of the race where they're exhausted. So looking at bikinis is a great example. You know, Andy Sterling was jumping up and down that that horse was much the best because he was down on a dead rail. No, you know why he tired? Because he's not a router. He's a one-turn horse, a sprinter. It had nothing to do with the rail. So anyway, I, I, that's just a thought on the track. So what do we have in store today for you? Uh, we've got... We've got quite a few tracks. We actually four featured tracks, Delmar, Aqueduct, Goldstream Park West, and of course, Churchill Downs. We also threw in Laurel, Woodbine, and I think we have Golden Gate in there, I'm pretty sure, on the Salmocast edition. So we've got quite a few tracks for you to play. We have good weather here at Churchill, as we talked about the track. Delmar, do I even have to tell you? And what's going on in New York? Uh, let's see what the weather in New York's all about. Before we actually make up, um, uh, we before we make up our minds. So, uh, like I said, and it's cold here, 48 degrees in New York. It's, it's going to be sunny the la- you know after first post. So we're going to have fast tracks all the way around. Uh, so the simulcast edition is definitely one you can take a look at. Um, Churchill, we I always like the card. And how do we play the Churchill Downs track? Well. We talked about speed, but also boxing are exactus and trifectus. Uh, and I usually, what I play them is between four and eight dollars. You can play them for two dollars, for a dollar, and you can make money, uh, especially when we get some of our uh, uh, patented long shots we get in in these trifectas, and they pay really well uh, at Churchill Downs. So think about playing it that way. Um, what else do we have going? Um, I will be putting out a, a, uh, an email blog on we're taking a couple of fillies that, I, that we have to the two-year-old in training sales, and we'd like for you to come on board. 
um, you'll be getting an email, or if you'd like to get an email, right, and, and uh, about what we have to offer with the Phillies, the videos, and their pedigree, you can write me at Bruno at RacingWithBruno.com. What we do is we take one flat fee that covers training all the way through the two-year-old in training sale. Also, if we decide to keep them and not go to two-year-old training sale, then we're going to raise them and you still have that same amount of ownership, whether we go to the sales or race as a two-year-old. Um, talk to me about that. You know, kick the tires, if you will, and find out what we have to offer. So I want to, before I get, get, go on and get going our Sunday, I want to congratulate Jim Reichenberg, my partner, uh, John Service, my trainer, uh, with Miss Locust Point, uh, also TaylorMade and Chuck Zasny of uh, Cassius King. They sold Miss Locust Point for $425,000. Uh, we did really well on the Phillies. She earned a ha- uh, more than a half a million, sold her for four twenty-five. And I personally, myself and, and Jim, sold part of her for, for six figures after her third start. Uh, she's basically a $1.5 million horse. Uh, and I bought her for 17000 So when I bring in people about being part of the Racing with Bruno Bloodstock, I have to say we've done very, very well. Not many people can brag that they bought a $17,000 short yearling and turned it into a $1.5 million horse. So get on board with us, racingwithbruno.com for for today's racing. Bruno at racingwithbruno.com for any information on our our pin hooking uh, this this spring. Uh, It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, It'd be really great, and if we make money at it, fantastic. I think I got two really good fillies. Uh, They're well-bred. They're half-sisters. They're really good horses. So get on board. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a uh, wonderful day.